Hello and welcome to Bondcast, a podcast series where we discuss our views on the latest themes and events shaping rates markets. I'm Imogen Backrett, Head of UK Rate Strategy, and I'm joined today by our Global Market Specialists, Giles Gale and John Navrisi. Okay, central bank bananas a week this week, so let's get straight into it. Uh, let's start with the Fed because they kicked things off for us nicely uh, yesterday evening. We're recording this on Thursday, so yesterday evening for us. Uh, Jan, what did we learn from the Fed yesterday? Right. Uh, there's, of course, a lot to talk about, and I'll try to keep it as succinct as possible to allow everyone to also talk about their respective central banks. But uh, obviously, we got the 25 base point hike, as everyone expected. Uh, that was, you know, there was a very little doubt about that. Well communicated, and uh, I should say delivered. The statement itself wasn't that different. We expected some of the wording to be uh, altered to reflect that they might be coming to an end soon, or there's not that many more uh, hikes left. That the ongoing uh, kind of phrasing wasn't really changed. But what's changed was the uh, addition that the committee acknowledges the kind of like the disinflationary process that started. They're still of course, uh, with the caveat that inflation is running well about where it should be, uh, where they're comfortable, but it's still it's trending in the right direction. Uh, the immediate market reaction to that was uh, like a sh- some small sell-off in rates. You know, it came off slightly hawkish from the get-go, but uh, nothing nothing too shocking. Uh, however, as we went into the press conference, uh, I have to admit, Powell was certainly a little bit more on the on the dovish side. A uh, couple of things that really kind of caught our attention there first he was asked about financial conditions and you know these days you can't really open up a any news source without seeing a chart of financial conditions or discussion of financial conditions and uh the whole point going to the meeting was that people expected him to push back because uh, those financial conditions have been uh, loosening um well he didn't really he didn't really do that when asked about uh the said fci he really put the doctor on the question, pushed back the focus on a longer term, something like a one-year outlook, as opposed to you know month on month or like uh, near-term changes in those uh, in in the relative stance of tightening or loosening in financial conditions. Uh, when asked about his December, well, the Fed's December forecast, as a reminder, the Fed submits forecasts every quarter. Uh, in December were the latest one and. Uh, where rates were projected to be in the 5 to 5.25% range. When asked about those, again, he ducked around, didn't really want to answer, basically saying that they will submit new forecasts in, in March. That should reflect their uh, most up-to-date views. Uh, but that that comes in contrast of the previous meetings where uh, they either submitted a forecast or if there wasn't one like in November, uh, Powell guided markets into saying, well, we had forecasts in September, but we probably have to push them a little bit higher for the for a December one. There was no such guidance, which uh, markets took it as a signal that they may, they might be wavering. Uh, they're still deciding if they should do another hike after March or not. Uh, for the record, we do expect them to continue with uh, 25 to 25 again in March and May. Of course, there's a lot of data before that, but uh, and they will be data dependent, I suppose, like the rest of the central banks and things can change, but. So far, nothing from the Fed meeting has really changed our expectation of what's going to happen. Uh, he used, like I mentioned a couple of times the world, well, not even a couple of times, by our count, 13 times the word disinflationary, which kind of is uh, it retar- it entering the vocabulary now and uh, perhaps sort of becoming the new transitory. <laughs> uh, and finally, the one, one I think he uh, slip up, or I don't know if he meant it that way, but 
maybe his like kind of his viewpoint was on when asked about how many more hikes there are left to do and he did use the word couple of more hikes which caught people a little bit by surprise because that would imply that there's uh, march and may ahead of us too that are live but we'll see i mean on that there was a it was a dovish leading statement and it was one of those things uh, as our economics team put it pretty well i think not so much of what was said but what wasn't said uh, that kind of made the difference for markets yeah i think that's the important point because you know for the fed it wasn't there was it wasn't one of the quarterly meetings where we got updated projections and an updated dot plot um so it really was just about the changes to the statement and then the press conference itself but if you kind of compared and contrasted the two statements from the last meeting and this meeting next to each other there wasn't a huge amount of change but but the market reacted in quite a significant way and then we had you know a, a follow-through in on the european open this morning as well would you push back against that market reaction then or do you think that that was actually fair given as you say perhaps it was more about what wasn't said rather than the changes that that were made i think it's fair and i i, I do acknowledge that after we record this podcast we can you know go back next week and see some officials coming back and uh, pushing back on their own side from the fed uh but my view is that markets will change uh, sorry markets will chase a theme in either direction and right now we've seemed to come to a point where you actually do have some disinflationary forces most in the in inflation most in the good side but you have them so it's hard to make the argument that inflation is pick up picking up in pace you are seeing some slowdown in data uh jobs are for, we're not shedding uh jobs in the u.s but we're certainly not adding them at the same pace as in the past so it's hard to make the case that the economy is accelerating and or or overheating but more so that uh things are more likely to turn towards uh, lower growth or negative growth and uh, lower inflation so it, it becomes harder and harder for the fed to uh maintain the message that they will hike and stay or they will do even more and they might come back and hike in the future so i think then with that the follow-up theme becomes well when do they cut because if they're not hiking uh maybe they'll stay where they are but at some point they will cut and uh i think it will be very very hard for the markets to take out the entirety of some about 200 230 base points of cuts that we have priced in we can just shift them across the curve but i think those expectations will stay there and i think they might even intensify from here because uh we will i, I do feel like we will get to the discussion of well when is the fed going to cut and the weeks the endless cycle of uh, policy mistakes, policy errors comes back. And uh, the next thing that the markets will go after, I think, is the whole uh, you know, the Fed easing thing, even if it doesn't happen and it's not an expectation, uh, which means that uh, it should be an environment supportive for risk assets, it should be an environment supportive for uh, treasury yields, uh, but probably even more so real yields because uh, I think with, uh, you know, our expectation for the next couple of months of inflation is actually not that soft. So if you combine that with uh, with the kind of like the relaxed stance by the Fed, you might see break-even inflation expectations actually drifting a little bit higher. So I think the green light was given and the markets will go with that theme. The Fed hasn't really done anything to, to kind of stop that, I guess, further loosening of, loosening of financial conditions. Okay. You, you touched briefly there saying that you don't, although the market will price them in and you don't push back against the market pricing them and you, you don't really expect cuts for this year so has the fed this week changed your view of 
near-term hikes where peak rate is and how long it stays at that level or or even if it hasn't perhaps you can just remind us of of what that base case view is yeah i should perhaps started with that too but uh our, our view actually didn't change after the meeting because the fed will be data dependent as i mean i would like to think they have been generally but they will be still data dependent and if you uh you know inflation still runs pretty much in uncomfortable zone. So we do expect 25 base points at the next March meeting, 25 base points at the main meeting, which is above where the market's priced in right now. We have about one additional hike left on the curve. Um, that's split like, three, you know, the distribution of that is uh, 75 to 80% for the next one, or the spillover is like 20% for the May one. Uh, and so no, our expectation hasn't changed that they will still deliver those hikes and maintain rates until the end of the year. Uh, what the market will price in could that we think likely will be very different from that but uh, our expectations of what will be delivered is um, remains of two more hikes and hold okay cool right let's switch over to europe then because uh another day another central bank uh giles europe or the ecb was following an already big reaction following the fed and the bank of england which we will get on to uh, but the market didn't seem to slow down into the ECB. So what was really the the key message from Lagarde today? Well, okay, so the first thing to say is that, of course, yes, absolutely, they were coming on the heels of um, some pretty dovish sentiment. I mean, the market was primed for um, the, the global central bank dominoes. They're all falling dovishly. And that's a... Whilst I think the expectation was always that the ECB was going to be the most hawkish of the three, um, they may actually have had to do more um, in terms of demonstrating that dovishness in order to, to, to really anchor the market. And of course, they didn't do that. Um, they, no, I mean, they were, I mean, if you just read it, and you didn't know any of the context, you would probably think, yeah, that's quite, that's quite hawkish. But the fact is that you know, they weren't hawkish enough. And um, you know, where market sees weakness, it, it goes for it in this, uh, in this sort of mood. Right? So you know, what, what we learned, well, we learned that they are very, very focused on raising rates by 50 basis points in March. Okay, no surprise really there. I think that that was always likely, um, in fact, exceptionally likely um the way that Lagarde actually put it was that we intend to raise rates and intend she says is a strong word but not an irrevocable commitment now i think you know, <laughs> market's probably looking for irrevocable commitment is that her words or uh, no 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 her words her words i um <laughs> i quote directly that's like a little than um, before from committing well, i think <laughs> I, I, sorry, I, I, I could I could, I could have tried to affect a, a female voice, but you know, just for that extra, extra emphasis. But I, don't, I think that could have sent a lot of people off. We uh, don't. Okay. She went on to, to she went on to explain that you know what what does that mean? Well, basically, it means yeah, we're data d dependent, but we can see enough inflation sort of uh, upside in the pipeline that pretty extreme scenarios only would knock us off that okay and that that way again that was her uh, expression so 50 basis points in march yeah we had 25 actually and 
Now, I still think that the risks are on the downside, but you've got to listen to them, take them at their word. I think you probably get 50 basis points in, uh, in, in March. I don't think that's worth fighting. But thereafter, wide open. Uh, you know, this steady pace, now that extends to three rate, rate hikes of 50 basis points, and, and that's it. And you know, so whilst she says... Now, no, we don't think that that you know, that with the next fifty basis point move, we'll be at the peak. Well, no, that's pretty weak. You know, the markets will take its view. I mean, you know, by May we could be in a very different place. We've penciled in twenty-five basis points for that meeting. Um, so we've actually, in spite of this very dovish mood um, and the massive rally that we've had, we've actually increased our peak rate forecast, which was at 3%, we put it at, at, at 3.25. So there's a little bit of convergence between us and the market there. And, yeah. and markets are still higher than that, actually. So I, I do think there's still some value in the very front end. Does anything about today then change your views, I guess, going forwards, where you've already talked about the fact that you see a slightly higher peak rate, perhaps, but, but what about longer dated rates or, or spreads even? Um, I guess just your, your key themes for Europe. Yeah, I mean, it, it does a bit. Um, so, in spite of raising our um, our, four, our central case anyway for for the peak rate um, to again, I'll repeat, uh, three three and a quarter, but with some downside risk, it doesn't actually change the fact that we're that we're bull bullish on the very front end. And and increasingly, I think that if we get ourselves into a situation in the macroeconomic environment where we're seriously talking about rate cuts on a sort of forecastable horizon, that's going to rally the very front end and we're going to see steepness. Okay. And so I'm at, I'm at, I'm at, we, we've seen, for example, five, twos, fives continuing to bullishly invert. And I actually think that that is one thing you don't go with. I think that's something you oppose. Um, I, I dare say we'll have to review our the timing at least on our uh, bearish bund call um so maybe i'll ask you that next week the other one is uh uh v1 italy um today and yesterday have been exceptionally positive for for credit and italy has been really really strongly outperforming swept up with that you know great mood for for credit i don't think you oppose that either to be quite honest uh you know i think that the main question at this point about Italy is possibly that there might be, you know, this might be a, a good moment for the ECB to try to use redemptions to you know, be, you know, buy a little bit less Italy and try and rebalance um, there. So so that might be a little bit of a, a background negative. But overall, I don't, I don't really see enough headwind there for you know, to, to, to be negative on Italy. So with that, should we round it all off and go back to you, Imogen? And I'm going to ask you the, fa the same question that you've leveled at both of us. Uh, what have we learned from uh, today's meeting and announcements from Bank of England? Yeah, last but not least, eh? Um, Absolutely not least. So in some ways, the Bank of England could, and perhaps maybe was, the more interesting meeting in that we had, you know, updated projections as well this was kind of their quarterly meeting not just the um with a press conference not not just their um usual press release that we get kind of every other quarter um it was 50 basis point hike as we expected um but delivered dovishly which i think was 
in line with market expectations. You know, we spoke about that on the pod this week and I've had a lot of client conversations this week, which suggest to me that that, that was kind of market expectations. But actually I think it was more dovish than we were expecting and probably a bit more dovish than the markets were expecting too. I think there were two two key dovish elements of, of the changes to the guidance. And I should note that actually the vote itself um, was seven two, so seven in favor of fifty, seven in favor of fifty, and two votes were unchanged, as there was in the December meeting as well, which actually was a little bit more hawkish, I think, than than base case. So the vote was slightly hawkish, but actually all the changes to the guidance and the language in the minutes and the tone of the press conference uh, massively outweighed that that kind of one slightly more hawkish element. So um, the changes to the guidance that were important was the removal of this word forceful. Uh, and also how they talked about what future uh, rate rises might be required. In December, they said that if the outlook suggested more persistent inflationary pressures, it would respond forcefully as necessary. And in February, um, or today rather, they said if there were to be evidence of more persistent pressures, then further tightening in monetary policy would be required. Um, And there were some sentences in the minutes that I felt were quite peaky i'm calling them (laughs) or you know indicating that the bank at least thinks that we're close to peak rates you know they said that um that a 50 basis point hike at this meeting would address the risk that domestic wage and price pressures remain elevated um and they explicitly acknowledge for the first time that although there are lags in monetary policy and they've acknowledged the lags before but it's the first time that they've talked about this idea that they front-loaded hikes and that an earlier and higher bank rate peak uh, might mean that that actually brings forwards the point at which recent rate increases would need to be reversed. So there was a lot of, yeah, like I say, peaky language in there. And and there was a lot of questions around whether, um, you know, if the, if the economy evolves as they see in their central scenario in the forecast, does that mean that we get further rate hikes? Now, they didn't really answer that specifically i wouldn't have said uh, they could sort of skirted around that question they were quite keen to to emphasize the upside risks to their central scenario on inflation in particular and that they were very asymmetric those risks and so i felt like the key takeaway or the key message was that they were saying if the economy evolves as we currently have in our central scenario we may not need to hike rates anymore but actually we're not really emphasizing that point because we think the risks are so skewed to the upside in such a significant way that that it's more likely that we will need to hike rates at least once more, um, if not uh, more than that. But I think the, the removal of the word forceful, and we learned in the December meeting that to them, forceful probably now means 50 basis points, um, that you know it's more likely that we're talking in 25-bit increments from here onwards, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to say I'm... I'm just listening to you I'm, I'm very confused about why they would continue to raise rates if they think that that brings you know forward meaningfully the point where they would have to cut rates um now surely it would be better just to to stop a little bit earlier and and stay there for longer uh which was which was essentially what i thought was going to be the message from all central bank but clearly i was way off the pace there because <laughs> that's not what we heard from anyone <laughs> um no, no, anyway. Uh, in, when when it comes to the UK, I mean, in in common with everyone, we've had a big rally. Um, is that something that we should be considering and go with? Is there more momentum in this? 
I mean, the front end had a lot of scope to rally. The front end has consistently been pricing a more hawkish reaction function over the next couple of meetings than we had in. So, you know, it's been rallying really consistently since the beginning of this year and, and even beyond before then. So it's now kind of in line with our base case view that we get one more 25 bit hike um, in March. And that's probably the peak rate. And, you know, we think that rates stay at that level as we've just discussed for the rest of this year. So in terms of where we see peak rates, I think it's right that that markets have adjusted much closer to our view. Um, and they see a little bit of upside risk beyond that 25 bits, which I think is probably fair too. I think actually the skew of risks are such that we're more likely to get another 50 in March than we are to get zero, for example. Beyond that though, you know, markets have been pricing in a cut pretty much a full cut almost between sort of June or August by December of, of this year. And I think we spoke about this last week, but they're now pricing in kind of 35 basis points of a cut, which feels aggressive to me. It's it's not that I don't think that the bank ultimately will have to cut rates, but but just not this year. And, and you know, similar to what we've spoken about in, in the US and in Europe, um, a cut that soon after finishing hiking rates almost feels like kind of policy error pricing. And, and that would be sooner really than the bank have ever cut rates after reaching peak rates in a cycle over the last, you know, more than 20 years. So uh, it would be a, a very quick turnaround from a, a also quite a low peak in rates versus where we have been historically. Obviously, it feels like high levels of rates compared to recent history. But when you look up back over a much longer time period, uh, it's still quite a low peak from where they've previously cut more quickly from. So to me, that kind of a turnaround and and um, switch up in policy is is where I would push back more on market pricing, particularly against a backdrop where it feels like central banks are so concerned about second round effects that the hurdle to easing in this cycle, I think, is maybe a bit higher than it has been previously. Um, and you know, we still see quite sticky core inflation pressures into the end of the year, which is why we've long held this view that, that cuts won't come until 2024 anyway. So I would just push back a bit on on that, you know, quite considerable cut pricing from markets, I think. Yeah, nonetheless, um, I mean, just as, again, just listening to you, I, I, I reflect that um, we have, you know, in, in the European context, again, we, you know, we, we have this language about, you know, sort of raising rates to a level that's sufficiently restrictive, um, you know, for, for long enough, essentially, uh, you know, but how long, how long is long enough? I mean, that, that's got to be an increasingly important question. And you now if you look, for example, at sort of one year, one year real rates, they're nearly 1% in Europe. Um, you know, if we are. If we know if we do have the level of disinflation that markets now seem to be expecting, and you have a, uh, a meaningful slowdown in the economy, then that looks pretty restrictive. And that's, you know, I mean, that takes you two years from now. Uh, you know, maybe maybe that's more than long enough. So you know, I think that there's there's some stuff here for us to think about. Yeah, I guess it's not just about the length of time that we're in that restrictive policy for but but how restrictive that is over you know where we consider neutral to be which is probably a discussion for a, a whole other podcast which would take a lot longer than than we have here I think so. okay listen i think that was a good enough roundup of, of this week's central banks we'll be back next week for uh 
hopefully something else other than central ranks but uh, thank you all for joining me thanks to our listeners for listening in and just a reminder if you liked today's episode please don't forget to hit the like button or click subscribe so you can get the latest episodes as soon as they're available thanks see you next week <laughs>